0: Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, who is to come. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive honor and glory, power and blessing. We honor You, Lord Jesus. We humble ourselves before You. We lay down our pride our desires, and we honor you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. If you have your Bibles, if you'll find your place in Genesis chapter number 11. Good morning. I'm Pastor Mike. It's an honor to have you here uh, this uh, Sunday following Thanksgiving. And uh, we encourage you to pay attention to some of the upcoming events. A lot of special things will be happening in the month of December as we celebrate Advent together. Anticipate the Celebration of the coming of the Lord and his incarnation and a lot of special things and ministry opportunities. So I hope you'll make a note of those things. If you're a guest with us and you're here over the holidays with your family, may the Lord bless you. We're honored to have you. Please let us know if we can do anything for you. I finished today in Genesis what we've been calling, or what I've called, remember your creator. It's our call. It's our responsibility. So I stand here this morning to remind all of you on this day, this final Sunday of November 2023, remember your Creator. And that, that means that you would honor the Lord Jesus Christ by serving Him with all of your heart and being obedient and willing to do what He calls you to do. We've walked our way through the book of Genesis, these times of beginnings, because there's some important lessons we need to learn about remembering our Creator in the world in which we live. And the truths found in these historic words, by the way, I remind you, Genesis chapter 1 all the way through the Word of God, these are historic events that we're looking at and we're reminded of today and even the one that we'll look at today are historic events that have happened on this planet. Some happened... Pre-flood, Many of them, we don't understand all about that except what God's Word tells us. But now we live in the times following Noah and we learn some very important lessons. You've had time now to settle in Genesis chapter number 11. I'm going to begin reading in chapter number 10, verse number 31, and then through chapter 11, verse 9. Genesis chapter 10, verse 31. These are the sons of Shem, According to their families, according to their languages, by their lands, according to their nations. These are the families of the sons of Noah, according to their genealogies, by their nations, and out of these the nations were separated on the earth after the flood. Now, the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, come let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used brick for stone and they used tar for mortar. They said, come let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into heaven And let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. The Lord said, Behold, they are one people. And they all have the same language. And this is what they begin to do. And now nothing which they purpose to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth and they stopped building the city. Therefore, its name was called Babel. Because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth, and from there the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word, and may the Holy Spirit be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The focal truth today is this, that we remember God today who controls... Prideful nations accomplishing His purposes through Jesus Christ. What do we do today? What 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 is the responsibility we have to remember God today, remember our Creator? Remember this, that God controls. Are you listening? I'm talking about current events. I'm talking about what some of you worry a whole lot about. I'm talking about something that causes some of you to stay up at night and you have dread and you have fear and you have terror. Listen to to me now. Remember your creator. He controls all nations, prideful nations, accomplishing his purposes through Jesus Christ in this world. Now that has for us some very important responsibilities and truths that I want us to think about today. We come to this story of what's sometimes called the Tower of Babel. It's actually the, the story of man's first attempt to rebel completely against God and build his own city and build his own religion and keep himself together in a universal way in total disobedience to God. You cannot understand um, Genesis 11 verses 1 to 9 without first understanding that the order is reversed. Chapter 10 is actually what follows from chapter 11, but it's put in this order in order for us to see how the three sons of Noah, by the way, all of the families of the earth today, including all of your genealogies, all of your families come from these sons of Noah. So just some background information before I give you some of the observations today, just so you have it. So you were reading chapter 10 and I read those words to you, but I go back to chapter nine, verse 29. After everything has happened in Noah's life, after the flood has come and receded and the waters have receded, uh, God's given uh, direction and uh, Noah has worshiped God, but he's also had sin in his life again and sinned. We are reminded, in fact, let me just read it to you again. Uh, even back uh, before that, we, we read God's words about the condition of human beings now from now on after the flood. This is in Genesis 8:21. The Lord smelled the soothing aroma of the sacrifice that Noah made. And the Lord said to himself, I will never again curse the ground on account of man. Please notice, for the intent of man's heart is evil from his youth. That's true for every person I'm speaking to, including the speaker speaking to you. Nothing has changed since the days of Noah. His sons uh, were born, and then we read in chapter 9, 29, so all the days of Noah were 950 years, and he died, and he died. We read about Adam, and he died. Noah, and he died. And I remind you today, one day you will die. I remind you today, the man speaking to you, I will die. It is appointed for all of us to die once and then for us to face God in judgment, either as a believer in Christ or as an unbeliever. We come to read in chapter 10 these interesting words. They're described in various ways, but let me just go to the ones in 31, 32 of chapter 10. This is important. Uh, the sons of Shem, here's an example. It was mentioned also of the sons of of Ham, Uh, but notice in verse 31. Now notice, according to families, languages, lands and nations. I'm speaking English today. You're listening and hearing me in our mother tongue. Born here, most of us in the United States of America, with our families of origin as they come and our genealogies and how our families made their ways to America. Notice though the description according to their families, according to their languages, by their lands, according to their nations. This word nations is a word that means ethnics. It's it's an interesting word. It's describing the uniquenesses of nations. Nations as as the people spread across the earth, as the families of Noah, as the sons of Noah and their families spread across the earth, they came to have distinctions in family heritage, tradition, language, and became nations. We find all of the work of God through the nations as the promised one is coming, Jesus Christ, who was promised in Genesis 3, the one who would crush finally the head of the devil. So the nations are critically important in the work of God. And the Lord has reminded man, this is the responsibility, fill the earth. So I have three observations for you today. They're very simple. Just taking these first uh, nine verses of chapter 11 uh, uh, to mind. Number one, we'll look for a moment at, at sinful man's ambition. Secondly, at sinful man's rebellion. And then we'll look at God's response. God's response to man's ambition and rebellion. What God does here in relationship to man's sinful ambition and sinful pride, are you listening, is the same as how God responds to it in your life and mine. I remind you of that famous verse from the Old Testament that's quoted by several of the uh, writers in the New Testament. God opposes the proud. Are you sitting here today and you're proud, living in your arrogance, pompous, Rebellion toward God. Are you sitting here today acting as if you are a saved person, but secretly you live like a lost man or woman? You don't care about God. You have no relationship with God. You don't care about the Word of God. You don't care about the things of God. You do these things because, of course, they're they're publicly acceptable in our nation, at least for a few, at least for a minority. The vast majority of those who live on the planet today hold their angry fist in the face of God and seek to do what they want to do in complete, utter defiance of God. From birth until death, unless they are saved, they live in defiance of God. And so today we re- we're reminded of what God does when He deals with sinful people who will not repent of their sins. So it's a very sobering word for us today. Sinful man's rebellion. Look at it. It's so simple. It's the way man always does. First, notice that they're traveling farther and farther away from Eden. We've talked about this before. When man sinned, God put him outside of the garden east of Eden. We all have been born in the world east of Eden. We all have been born into a world of sin. We learn sin from everybody else who sins. That's the nature of living as sinners in the world. We sin in our own way and we sin with sinners and that's what we do. And we read here, they were traveling, they journeyed east and they found the plain, this beautiful plain in the land of Shinar and they, this is quite an interesting word. This is completely contrary to what God had told them to do. They settled, they they settled, they made their settlement. This is where they decided to live as the people on the earth in this plain of the land of Shinar, and then we see sinful man's pride. It's the same words that are used by people today. From the time people are born till the time they die unless they repent of their sins and come to know Jesus Christ, they're driven by sinful pride in all of their relationships. Come, let us. Come, let us. Verse three, make bricks and burn them thoroughly and, and let's use the bricks for stone and let's, let's use tar for the mortar. They were using their technology and their expertise just like today. We, mankind looks at our advancements in technology and somehow is convinced we've got all we need. We can be a God ourselves. We can do things our own way. Who needs God? Who needs God when we have all of these means of technology <clears throat> at our disposal? And they said, verse four, come let us build for ourselves a city. It's time for us to have a building project. Let's build for ourselves and let's build a tower whose top will reach into heaven. That isn't an idea of just a tall tower, it's the idea that this is a tower for worship. This is a tower, it's a universal city built for man and it is based on having a universal religion and then let us make a name for ourselves. Let us make ourselves a name. I've got to have a name. I've got to be known. I must have fame. We read all about these famous people in these early chapters of Genesis. Men who made themselves famous and renowned. Is the ambition of your life to be famous and to be well known? We see how much a pride lives in the life of every person just go out if you expose yourself to it I would recommend you quit doing it but go out and look on the internet look at all of these websites that post all of these things and all of these apps on your phone where you can take a picture of yourself and you can talk about yourself and you can write about yourself and by the way is anybody really paying attention does anybody really care But you see, this is what man says, I'm going to be somebody, I'm going to be famous. In fact, that's the old country song. I'm gonna be somebody someday. I'm gonna be somebody someday. Well, we discover that this this, uh, sinful ambition of man is notable especially in one fellow in uh, the Word of God, a very powerful man Genesis 10, verse number 8. Cush became the father of Nimrod. This is quite a strange word, Nimrod. Uh, the origin of this word, it's, the word in Hebrew, has the element or idea of rebel. Nimrod, the rebel, the father of Nimrod, who became, notice, someone with fame, a mighty one on the earth. He was a mighty hunter before the Lord. The emphasis of that is before the Lord in defiance of the Lord. Therefore it was said, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before him. There's the fame. There's the fame of Nimrod the rebel. He had a saying. Everybody in the world knew about it at the time. The, The language was the same for all people on the earth. So all the earth was saying, like Nimrod, a mighty hunter before the Lord. The beginning of his, please notice in verse 10, his kingdom, was babel then list some other cities in the land of shinar in verse 11. from that land he went this rebel leader this one who was a kingdom builder he goes to assyria and builds nineveh we know about nineveh later babel became babylon and we have nineveh and these are these cities were all a collection of those cities he was a universal ruler with a universal empire and a universal religion. You see, this is what man does. This is what people say to you. Come and sin with us. Come do what we do. Do the things we do, act like us, live like us. That's why we have to put boundaries up in our life about what we watch on our devices, what we watch in media, what we listen to and believe. We must be careful that we pay attention because the more we're around those who live in sinfulness, the more those things rub off on us. We're reminded by Paul that bad company corrupts your morals. Bad company corrupts your morals. You've said more than one time to your children and your grandchildren you ought not to be running with those people. But I'm asking everybody who's a part of this church, who are you watching? Who are you listening to? Who are you associating yourself with? What boundaries have you set up in your life? Nimrod, this rebel, he emerges here with this city of Babel. I'm convinced that Nimrod was the one behind these words. Let's build the city. Let's build this tower. Let's worship. Let's have our own religion. And let's make ourselves a name. Notice verse four. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. You see, pride is at the center of our sinfulness, and it never changes. Here we see the sinfulness of mankind tied to his ambition, because God had said to them, let me just read it to you, chapter 8, verse 17, when Noah was getting off of the ark, Bring out every living thing of the flesh that is with you, birds and animals and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth, that they may breed abundantly on the earth and be fruitful and multiply on the earth. And so there's the command in chapter 9, verse 1, God blesses Noah and what is his blessing? Be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth. This was the same command God had given to Adam and Eve. Now it's given again after the flood with this one family, Noah's family, and with his three sons. He is now to go and they are now to go and fill the earth. But let's have a great name. Let's all just stay in one city. Let's have this universal city with our one language and we'll do great things and we'll not need the rest of the earth. But this is a direct disobedience to the command of God. God's word was fill the earth. You've got to go places where you've never been before. You've got to go to cities and trust me, you've got to have assurance that I'm the one sending you out. You see, this is man's pride and his ambition. I ask you today this, are you living your life in arrogance toward God? No, I'm not asking about your religion. I'm not asking if you're a religious person. I'm asking that what's in your heart I'm asking what motivates your values and your desires and your direction in life? Do you come at these things in your life as a servant, willing to do what God wants you to do as His servant in the world? Or are you living a hidden life of pride and ambition? Well, you see, that's the life of the devil. That's the devil's life. The devil's life is a life of pride. And Nimrod is an example, this rebel, proud, rebel, rebellious, ambitious world uh, empire builder. You see, you build it and make it great and then they put your name on it. You build it and make it great and then you have something that you're proud of. You build it and make it great and then you're the one at the center. Well, you see, all of these things remind us that God has a response to those who want to live and say, I'm the center, I want to be famous, I want to be the center of all things. You know, you can tell if you're proud if you get your feelings hurt when somebody says something that you don't like about you. You know, pride is at the center of sin and pride's at the center of ambition and pride's at the center of broken relationships, both with God and others. So what does God do? Chapter 11, verse number uh, five, God comes and sees the city. This is similar to when God came walking in the cool of the garden to meet and have fellowship with Adam and Eve. And what did he find? He found Adam and Eve because of their sin, living in shamefulness. Sin will make you shameful. It'll make you ashamed. Now we hear, now we see total the difference. There's defiance. God comes and sees the city. They're not stopping building. They're not stopping with their project. They don't care about God. They have no no interest in what God thinks. How short the memory of people in the world when God has judged in the past. The flood is not that far in the past. All the families that are, all these people who are now alive come from three men who were. The children of Noah, the flood, it was was a global, worldwide flood. Everything before was gone. But sinful man has a way of forgetting and dismissing the past judgments of God, not interested or explaining them away. God comes to see this city and they have no respect for God. There is no pause. There is no prayer. There is no sacrifice. And so God sees the city and announces judgment in verse number seven. He says, therefore, let us go down and confuse their language so they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the earth and the building building was stopped from being built. You see, Babylon is a place of confusion. The worldly city. It's not that it's one city, though Babylon was built again. Babylon came to be a world power. And Babylon now is a place of ruins. What is now the modern place of Babylon is far different than its fame and glory from past generations of the thousands of years ago. But you see, there is the spirit of Babylon. There is the spirit of Babylon. In the book of Revelation, I remind you, the book of Revelation from chapter 4 to chapter 19 is about seven years, the great tribulation. And all of the awfulness of the tribulation period. And during that time, we read these words. I'll just read them to you, Revelation 18, too, about Babylon. Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. You see, as a part of the judgment of God, Babylon will fall. This world spirit, this this worldly enemy of God's people, an arrogant, prideful, ambitious description of mankind. Fallen, fallen is Babylon. She has become a dwelling place of demons and a prison of every unclean spirit. Listen, for all the nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her immorality. And the kings of the earth have committed acts of immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have become rich by the wealth of her sensuality. There will be a time in the future, just as God stopped the building of the city of Babel and this religious tower for universal religion and universal, uh, universal domain, God will again, God will again deal with one who will emerge, who will bring to this world, I'm talking now about future events. I'm talking about what the Bible says will historically happen in the days ahead. You see, in the last days, mankind is moving again toward a universal language, a universal currency and economic system with a world leader, a universal world leader who will control all things in the world. All nations will be subservient to it don't laugh. The Word of God describes this just like Nimrod, just like the devil was behind this raising up this mighty one, Nimrod. There is one who is coming who is the one who deceives, as the, as the book of Revelation tells us. He's the one who deceives those who dwell upon the earth. He causes everyone who lives on the earth to be given a mark on their right hand or on their forehead. And he provides that no one will be able to buy or sell except the one who has the mark. You see, these united world nations will make war with the Lord Jesus Christ. And I remind you of the power of this one who is coming. And I want you to take your Bible in just the moments we have left and look to 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. John the Apostle said in writing to the Christians of his day, you have been told that Antichrist is coming. I want to go on record this last week in November as your pastor that now you, now you in 2023 are being told by a preacher from the Word of God that Antichrist is coming. Don't be be fooled. Don't be tricked. Don't grin and smile as if Dr. So-and-so has talked his way out of it. Hear the word of God. I'll just read it without explaining it. It's sufficient in itself. Paul writing to the Thessalonian church, 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2. Verse number 3. He's talking about the coming of the Lord Jesus and our gathering to him. Verse 3. Let no one in any way deceive you, church, for it will not come, the Lord's coming, unless the apostasy comes first and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the son of destruction, who opposes and exalts himself above every so-called God or object of worship so that he takes his seat in the temple of God, displaying himself as being God. This is, a, this is someone coming. This is someone who's going to live on the earth, a historic figure. Do you not remember that while I was still with you, I was telling you these things? You see, Paul told the church, I'm telling you. And you know what restrains him now, so that in his time he will be revealed. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Look, we live in a lawless, godless, wicked world degenerating, degenerate world filled with wicked sinners, atheists who hate God, deny God, live without God. The mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. Then that lawless one will be revealed whom the Lord will slay with the breath of his mouth and bring to an end by the appearance of his coming. It will take the Lord Jesus Christ to destroy this lawless son of destruction, this one who is Antichrist. That is the one who is coming, who is in accord with the activity of Satan, with all power and signs and false wonders. And with all the deception of wickedness for those who perish because they did not receive the love of the truth so as to be saved. For this reason God will send upon them a deluding influence so that they will believe what is false in order that they all may be judged who did not believe the truth but took pleasure in wickedness. Nimrod says to the crowd and they join him, Let us... Go and build a city. Let us do what we do. Let us disobey God and let us worship in our own way without any recognition of God. The Lord Jesus is coming and the nations of the world, all of them, including the United States of America, all the nations of the earth, all the nations of the world in our pride, are under the control of Satan at this very hour, who continues to drive people to live in rejection of God and rebel against the Lord Jesus Christ. One of the most famous atheists of the day, his name is Harari. He is a Jewish man who is an atheist, evolutionist, technologist. He writes and speaks. He influences those at Google. He influences those who are famous engineers and the rich and famous in our world today. He is on the the circuit. You can look him up and listen to him online. This false teacher, this prophet, this false teacher says, God seems to be making a comeback these days, but this is a mirage, according to Mr. Harari. God is dead. He lives in this way, so he says such things as this. Humans are in the process of becoming gods. There is no God. They are becoming gods. And I quote to you again, just for the sake of time, the very, the very sad words, but the very real words of Nietzsche, the old atheist. Many of you studied about him. Listen, I can't believe in a God who wants to be praised all the time. You see, here's the nature of the world. Unless you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and submit to Him and repent of your sins and call Him Lord and Savior, you're under the judgment of God. All the nations of the world are all planning and plotting today. But I remind you of this. The Lord Jesus will judge all the nations and every individual in those nations from all past generations one day when he comes again. I remind you of this today. I remind you of this today, that the word of God promises that the Lord Jesus will come to the earth again, literally, physically and reign, reign, rule as king from Jerusalem for a thousand years. And he will rule the nations as the word of God says with a rod of iron. He will control all things that take place on this earth And I remind you also of this, what the psalmist tells us, that the Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. You see, the nations are meeting today. The elected officials are meeting today all over the world, making their plans and their plots for power and for supremacy and domination. Making their plans as if there is no God. Making their plans as if it doesn't matter what God would think, or how people are treated in any way. The nations are making their plans, but the Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations. Now, I'm speaking to you about current events. I'm talking to you about what you watch on the news and you get really worried about, and you get frustrated about, and you get aggravated about. From this country all the way across, whether it's China, or whether it's Russia, or whether it's Afghanistan, or Iraq, or Iran, or... Wherever you find yourself thinking about the nations, the Lord nullifies the counsel of the nations and frustrates the plans of people. Why do the nations rage, Psalm 2? And imagine a vain thing. The Lord listens to them say what they say about, we're going to rebel and break the power of God. And Psalm 2, the Lord laughs at them from heaven. You see... If you want to live with joy and peace in a world of godliness, first, godlessness, come to know Jesus. Second of all, trust that the Lord's purposes will be done in every single event that is taking place on this earth today. So what do we remember today, my brothers and sisters, as we go? Jesus, right now, from heaven as we read in the book of Revelation, chapter one, is the ruler of the kings of the nations. Oh, the leader of China hasn't bowed the knee yet, but he will. Oh, the leader of Russia hasn't bowed the knee yet, but he will. Oh, the president of the United States and Congress and all elected officials have not bowed the knee yet, but they will. Whether it's a great nation, whether it's a small nation, While the nations make their plans, I stand before you to say to you, I say to you with great confidence based on the word of God and the promises of Jesus, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord of all to the glory of God the Father. One day it's going to come. So what do we do right now? I believe the Lord did something in the New Testament that helps us. These confused languages one day at Jewish Pentecost, when Jews from all over the world were there with their own languages, heard the apostles speak in their language at the same time the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all the languages of the earth heard the truth of the gospel that Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scripture, He was buried and raised on the third day. They heard those words. And what did the Lord say after he rose from the dead, even prior to the coming of Pentecost? Are you listening, church? Go to all the nations and baptize them and disciple them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That is our job. The task of the church today is to go to the nations, to share the gospel, to be unafraid to be Christ's representatives on the earth. When the early church was told by Peter and John, by the religious officials in Acts 4, don't talk in the name of Jesus anymore. See, that happens in the world. Don't talk about Jesus. Don't talk about religion. Don't talk about your Bible. Don't talk about these spiritual things. Don't talk about religion. Well, when they went back and told the church, the church started praying and they prayed Psalm 2. I won't read it all to you, but I'll read you what they asked God to do. It's what this church should be asking God to do in these godless, wicked, end time days. Acts chapter 4, 29. Take note, the church now asks the Lord, take note of their threats. God, take note of the threats of the world against us as Christians. And grant your servants that we might speak your word with boldness. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. That's what we must be doing right now while the Lord is arranging things with all of the nations who think they're doing what they want to do. Can you imagine? Why? They were busy building, they were busy building the tower and one day the brick mason couldn't understand the man digging the foundation. While they were building their city and one was putting mortar, putting tar mortar on the side of the rocks, he couldn't understand the one who was digging out the dirt around the foundations. And the Word of God says that stopped the building of the city. Let me tell you, only what God wants done in this world is going to get done. That's what you and I must learn to do as followers of Jesus in the last days. We submit to suffering. We submit to whatever He brings across the path of the church. We're no better than the early church to suffer. We're no better than the early church. It is our responsibility to go and tell. So we've asked you, we've asked you, and I'm asking you again who's your one? Who is the one person that you know in your family or a relation with you at work or someone that's your neighbor who does not know Jesus Christ? I'm not asking about somebody in Cuba, I'm not asking about somebody in India. I'm asking about somebody who lives by you in this growing part of Middle Tennessee. Who's your one? We've asked all of you to go out and record your one that you're praying for God to give you an opportunity to share the gospel with. And my prayer is that this church will be obedient to what the Lord has told us to do in the last days. Oh Lord, look how bad it is. Yes, and the Lord says, go tell them that I have come so that they might Have life and have it more abundantly. We keep telling, we keep going, we keep discipling until Jesus comes again. To the praise of the glory of His grace, the Lord is near to the door and we pray as a church as we go, come Lord Jesus, come Lord Jesus.